Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Kessel Run Comics Podcast. This is your host, Macadelic, and your co-host, Skelly Boy. And we're ready to bring you guys some knowledge. And the reason why I'm saying knowledge this week is because on the latter half of our show, we have quite a bit of interesting spec to talk about. Some juicy spec. But of course, as always, we're starting off with our top five. Number five on our list this week is Harley Quinn 69. And no, we're not little geeks over the number 69. This is a hamburger cover. (laughs) This book has the first appearance of a new character called the Hambezzler. And so basically his whole premise is this book almost feels like a one-shot. Yeah, and that's one thing because you you had said maybe it's a follow-up after I read it. Right. And even when I checked the previous one, the previous one was her uh, Santa Claus special. Yeah. So it's not a follow-up for that. It's an introduction of a brand-new character. It And it ends with the end. That's one thing I pointed out. Then you reread it, and you felt about the same way. There is some mention of a character that isn't done in the book. What was his name? Oh, uh, uh, something cheeseburger. It no, was, it was like Mitch or something like that. One of those guys. Oh, yeah. You're talking about Mitch and Murray. Yeah. They were the two owners of McGobble, yeah, which, which is, is obviously McDonald's. like McDonald's. Yeah. But one of them didn't get killed. They just said, oh, he'll, age will get to him. So, you know, there's the premise that he might come back for the ham for the ambassador but yeah. you know it ended with the end so i don't think so right yeah and i don't imagine that issue 70 because like you just said it says the end normally if it's a con like a continuing story they'll say to be continued yeah or they'll say to be continued and then specifically say in issue and then give your number yeah. or whatever but, yeah, like you said, and like I've said, this book is basically a one-shot within the Harley Quinn ongoing series. Um, I think the thing that personally put this on my list initially, before I actually did the reading of the book, this cover just caught my eyes. Yeah, the cover's great, and that's something... I pointed this book out to you a while back. Yeah. When the, fir- when the cover first Like the solicitations. Yeah, and I pointed it out to you, and, you know... Back then, I was like, this looks like it's going to be interesting. I'm going to read it even if I don't know what's going on. And it was a pretty good book. Like you said, it seems like a one-shot, but that's not bad. Yeah, I I don't ever... A lot of people... Well, I don't know. It's kind of 50-50 received one-shots because some people feel like one-shots are great. I I really love one-shots for their closure. You know, you have just one story in this one comic, and you don't have to worry about buying anything else. You don't have to worry about reading anything else. You've got your whole bulk of the story in one issue. Yeah. But then there's the other people that just really don't like one-shots, that at least want a miniseries, if not an ongoing series. You know, they're just flushed for content. They constantly want to be absorbing some kind of information or reading about their favorite characters. And, you know, as we said before, the preceding issue to this is the Christmas special. And so Harley is, you know, with Santa Claus and stuff like that, so completely unrelated. Yeah. But And the following issue, I'm almost positive, is unrelated. But you, Harley, she's so 
spontaneous that you can almost do anything with her. Yeah, I mean, in her series, I don't expect it to be, because it's issue 69, I don't expect there to be 69 issues developing a story for Harley Quinn. Right. I don't. Yeah. She's just not that kind of character. She's almost like a Gwenpool type of character. Mm-hmm. I don't expect there to be too much connectivity, you right. know? Maybe reoccurring characters, but not really a reoccurring story. Right. It's yeah. gonna. It should get switched up every once, every couple issues, I with agree. Harley. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot more to expound upon this book, just because I've covered all all of my bases. What about you? I, I mean, it's a good book. I'd pick it up for a read. Oh again, yeah, you know? and and like I said in the beginning, this book strictly for me as a collector if i was coming into a comic shop instead of owning a comic shop i would probably have bought this book just based on the cover yeah it's the cover is one of the most interesting parts of yeah. the book but the story it tells isn't bad either right you know for it to be, it is one shot quality we didn't plan on doing this but i want us to give our ratings 1 through 5 using only whole points and half points on each one of our top five. So, how would you rate all around Harley Quinn 69? It's like a five, like a... Five is perfect. Perfect. And one is trash. Ba- well, half would be as low as you could go. Yeah. I'd say about three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I, w- I was about to say, I'd put it at three and a half. That was what I was initially thinking. Yeah, three and a half, maybe four, depending on, like, personally, three and a half, but if you're one of those people that like Harley, it's definitely going to be a four. Oh, yeah, or higher. I mean, depend. it would take the right amalgam of person to yeah. give this a five. Yeah. But within Harley, you know, big fans, I would say it's definitely at least a four. And for people like us who don't necessarily care for Harley herself, and need, neither one of us read her title, Yeah. but just reading this kind of off out of nowhere... I enjoyed it being a one-shot. I like yeah. that it was so easy for me to understand. And so for that reason, and for the other added layers of my fan appreciation for it, like with it incorporating hamburger and that being my favorite food and stuff, this has got to be a 3.5, 4, or yeah, three and a half, four for me. All right, let's move straight into number four because we just talked for days about Harley Quinn 69. Yeah. I didn't think we were going to talk that much about it, but booming them out like that, why not? More content, the merrier, Jacob. Exactly. So for number four on our list, we have Hawkeye Freefall number one. This is one of three number ones that came out this week. Well, actually, four number ones that came out this week that all made our list, and I'm excited about this one specifically after reading it yeah i didn't think it was going to be that good of a book i was just reading it because i really wanted to replace the harley quinn book (laughs) yeah that's the that's the real reason i picked this up and read it today and it was a shocker you know it really was i didn't expect the story to be that good you know clint's funny he's a funny character and they're they're running with that one yeah you know rosenberg is doing good and i would really recommend this to anybody i'm not a hawkeye fan at all no to me hawkeye is the worst avenger and they even joke about that in the in the comic book oh yeah for sure you know, like they talk trash to him because they're like you're not really a superhero yeah and, who made you a superhero you nobody know. nobody voted you in you yeah know? nobody even, elected you that's one that's what one of the that's well that's what the villain points out they're like you're not who made you a real superhero you're not one yeah and you know it's just he's funny he's wisecracking the whole time and I like how they really run with his purple attire. 
Right. He's always wearing purple, even when he's a civilian. Yeah. I mean, even even you know, slight spoiler. Whenever he's in the bed with his girl, like he's fully unclothed. Obviously, he's under the covers, but he still has his purple earpiece in his ear. Yeah. So like purple everywhere <laughs> he goes. You know, he's not leaving out the purple in his attire whatsoever. I think my favorite thing about this book is for Hawkeye to be such a human character and so little hero rather than human, it lets you see how powerful he actually is. And when I say powerful, I don't... I don't mean sheerly on, like, a power standpoint. Like, he's not doing any kind of ridiculous feats like Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, even Captain America, who's relatively human in the grand scheme of things. He had... A procedure done on him. He is still a man just with the serum. Okay, so I, I'm not a big fan of Captain America, but I'm not going to say he's not a superhero. Like, I get it. He's a super, he's not a superhero. He's a superhuman. I was about to say, yeah. He, he really just doesn't produce amino acid. Yeah. That's really his power, is he just doesn't produce amino acid. So like, he doesn't age? No, amino acid is what makes you your bones get tired. Not your bones, your muscles. Like, right. when you work out, amino acid makes your muscles hurt. He doesn't hurt physically. From exhaustion. Bro, y'all hear Jacob out here educating us on science in the middle of a comic <laughs> podcast? Like, out here. But that's basically what... And he can build muscle way quicker than the average human. Right. Which is how he's so strong. But he... Like, that's why he can run anyone down. Because he just... He's not going to get tired that of running. That dude can run, like, 40 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, though. Like, it's stupid. Like, you saw him run in... I think it was Civil War. When he was, like, chasing down Black Panther. Yeah. Dude, he was, like, booking it past cars. Like, yeah. I get they were in a tunnel. And the, the tunnel speed limit's probably 25, 30. But, like, he was... He was outy. Yeah, he can just do that infinitely. But more on Hawkeye. This book had so many... I think one of the best parts about learning more about our heroes is seeing their human qualities. Yeah. And this book really does a great job both with his narration, like in his mind what he's thinking about, at the same time where the people that he's coming into contact with, his wife or girlfriend that you see in the comic. Okay, Bucky Barnes and uh, so the Winter Soldier and the Falcon... Like coming to meet him, he there's so many moments where it's just so he's so much more a human than a superhero. And yeah. like you said, you know he he gets ragged on for being a crappy hero or not you know not an official hero yeah. just because he doesn't have powers because he shoots a bow instead. And one thing that I feel like you know talking about how human he is. Even his love life is human. Yeah, you know? oh yeah. Like other superheroes, they all date superheroes. He dates a nurse. Right. You know, like, he points that out in the comic book. He's like, she thinks she's better than me because she's a nurse, and she saves people when they get shot. Right. But, but, but and you're out here, like, I'm out here shooting people with arrows. Yeah. And so, like, I, you know, everything about him is completely human until he's Hawkeye. Exactly. You know, and that's one thing that I feel is very neat with Hawkeye. Like, I feel like other superheroes have a hard time taking the suit off versus this show's a truly human hero. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. Like Tony Stark is a hundred percent of the time Iron Man suit or not. Oh yeah, without a doubt, his he's so pompous and his personality carries over no matter yeah. what. Right. It so Jake, eating an omelet. What? It shows him eating an omelet. Yeah, it does show him eating an omelet. Like at a normal cafe. Yeah, he's just know. out in public. Yeah, just. I mean, of chilling. course, he's rocking his shades. Like, yeah. but those are notorious. Like, he they're always part, It's part of his suit too, though. 
Yeah, but those right there aren't actual, like, shades. They're basically more like goggles. But, like, when he's just, like, in casual yeah. wear, it's some shades. Like, you can't see through them, too. Yeah. That's what I mean. But overall, after reading this book and just based on this beautiful cover art, we didn't even mention the cover at all. It's a white background with him upside down with the bow drawn. Yeah. And it has, like, almost the front. I'm imagining this arrow's an explosive arrow because it looks like it... It just has a red light emanating from it. And to me, if I had to guess, I imagine it's probably like suction. Like he shoots it or it's magnetized. So like he shoots it, it hits whatever and then does a little countdown and then boom. But I just, I love the way his legs are moving because... Yeah, they have the blur. Yeah, they have a blur and obviously it shows he's doing some some kind of backflip or maybe falling upside. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess since it's called Hawkeye Freefall, he's probably just falling upside yeah. down. You know, we didn't even talk about the story. Yeah, of this book. I mean, we didn't talk about the direct story, but yeah. I don't want to give too much away because I feel like this book is a highly underrated book. Yeah, I do too. But like, it's just, we've made it sound like it's just Hawkeye. No one knows what he's actually doing. Okay. Well, uh, which part would you specifically like to talk about? Because I, the, my point in not bringing it up was I didn't want to give away too much. Well, the main protagonist. Well. The big boy protagonist, not the one, not the first one. Yeah. But the who who when Bucky and uh Falcon, Falcon the one they're trying to catch, because right. he gets they're basically saying he is the Ronin because the Ronin comes back. Yeah. And he has to show them that he's not the Ronin. But that's all I wanted to say is that it's about the Ronin. Oh well, I mean, yeah, the Ronin makes an appearance, and like Jacob just said, Hawkeye gets called out for potentially being the Ronin. Yeah, because Ronin's going around like killing people oh yeah he's he's going around and screwing stuff up in new york yeah and they're like oh is this you and he's like um no yeah why why would you call me out for doing something i didn't do you know so overall what would you rate this comic book jacob it's a 3.5 it's really near about a four i'd give it a three only because i'm not a hawkeye fan and like i don't want to ad lib basically with copying your 3.5 again because i did that (laughs) on the previous book you know but this book, number three on our list, Jacob. Oh. The one I know nothing about. Oh. Star Wars number one, ladies and gentlemen. It's about time. And I suggest anybody who's a Star Wars fan, especially if you're a Star Wars fan, the original trilogy, it follows all original trilogy characters. And this new series that's starting off is taking place directly after episode five. So Luke has just had his face off with Vader, just found the ugly realization that he's possibly the child of Vader. You uh. know, he's debating whether or not that these are lies or whether his two masters, Yoda and Obi Wan, actually told him, you know, the truth after the fact. Um,. There's just so many great things about this book. I think my favorite part about this book, and the read in particular, is that you see Luke with more than an internal battle. You see him with an external battle. You see his emotions start to get the better of him when he realizes that he's not half the man he used to be. But not having a hand in this book multiple times brings him great frustration. You showed me one of them. Yeah, and therefore, he's just absolutely just kind of... He's he's sinking into a depression, and the only thing really keeping him out of it is the friends around him, is Leia, Chewie, Lando, 3PO, and R2. But this story was excellent. 
It has the first appearance of a new character of uh, a commander for the Empire. So, and she was an awesome character. She actually had a super badass moment in this book. Um, but this, with this book being a number one, it is four ninety nine, and it's written by probably the best person who could have started this title, Chuck Soul or Charles Soul. I love Charles Soule. He's worked on Star Wars multiple times, and he's written other titles that I've read in the past. I don't really ever have that many quips with, you know, things that he has to say, or in you know the stories that he writes. It's just amazing, for a lack of a better term. Um, my overall rating of this book. Because I don't want to start getting into specific details or anything. Obviously, Vader makes an appearance. Um, but I'm not going to tell you guys about any of the conflict. Because I hope that it will inspire you to read for yourself. But this book, I would say on my list, and this is being... What's the word? This is being careful, I guess, with my rating. I'd give it a 4.0. And that's me playing hardball because I'm a Star Wars fan. Because I know what I wanted and I know what I received and I basically received exactly what I wanted I'm not complaining whatsoever but I just think this book was a perfect way to start the new ongoing series for Star Wars Jacob even though you didn't read this just based on this beautiful cover art and with all that I've said up to this point and with the few panels that I showed you while I was reading it what would you rate this book <laughs> I was gonna say a point five, just whoa! A but five. that's not that's not really how I feel about it. I, you make it seem like a good story. I'd give it like a two and a half, right? Just because I'm not a big Star Wars fan. Yeah, and it does seem interesting, but it's not something I would read. Right? You know? Yeah. It's just not me. Yeah. What about this cover though? This cover is beautiful. The cover like, is great. Art is but art. I've seen every one of them characters before. <laughs> Jacob's over it, guys. But that was number three on our list. Number two, this is a Jacob specialty. Why is it a me specialty? Well, I'm saying this is one that you picked out and got me to put on the... Like, you were like, you got to read this. Yeah, because it, it's great. So, ex- that's what I'm saying. You encouraged me to read it. I'll be honest, Jacob. I probably would have waited till the second one came out if you had not encouraged me to read this book. But I'm glad Jacob did because this book is stellar there's just so many good moments and so like if you're somebody who reads a lot of marvel books well yeah i was just gonna i didn't know if you were just hyping it up no no if if you're somebody who reads marvel books then tarot number one is for you specifically because it encompasses so many characters it does and it's so great yeah it shows different sides of characters right in the first issue yeah it also goes across different time periods yeah like it shows very early captain america like i'm talking so early captain america that he doesn't have a circular shield he has like a shield shield. yeah he has the shield that looks like a shield yeah it's the diamond shield yeah but and it has a name more in it yeah i love some name like i'm not a big fan of him but i think it's interesting that he's in this book yeah well namor is one of the biggest defenders well i didn't know that okay See, I've never been too big into Defenders because I'm not a big Namor, Namor fan. I'm not a big Silver Surfer fan, and I'm not a big Valkyrie fan. So, really, 
I don't even really like the Hulk. The only person over there that I really like is Dr. Gabe. Dr. Gabe. And for those of you who don't know our ongoing joke, we call Dr. Strange Dr. Gabe because in our real world, I like to think that my younger brother Gabe is kind of like the character Dr. Strange. But yeah, I I love, you know, you asked me when we first looked at this cover, and I think the cover, while the story is excellent, the cover is just out here like whoever did this cover art is amazing um i can't really read their artist signature it's uh paul renaud yeah renaud yeah that's yeah. the one it is paul renaud i couldn't figure out how to and say I have, his name I, yeah i'm not uh too keen on his other work like i i'm not familiar at all but what i think what i like the best is this book encompasses the Avengers team and yeah. the Defenders team. And a lot of people, like you said, just don't know about the Defenders. Yeah. The Avengers are the popular team. Everyone knows them. And on the Avengers side of things in this book, you've got Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Scarlet Witch, and the Vision. And then on the Defenders side of things, you've got Hulk, Valkyrie, Namor, Dr. Gabe, and Silver Surfer. And Jacob asked me when we first looked at this book, he said, You're an event, you know, you like the Avenger side or the Defender side better. And I sat there and looked at it and I was like, mm, Avengers. You know, I was typical. But my main reason for that is I just looked at the balance of power on both sides. And I'm not saying the Defenders are weak at all because they have the Silver Surfer, like, and the Sorcerer Supreme and the Incredible Hulk, if we're talking about physical strength, you know. Yeah. So. They've kind of got everything. They also have an Asgardian and an Atlantean. So, get at us, bro. I mean, but the Avengers have Vision and Scarlet Witch. You're right, you're right. Them by themselves could have clapped the whole team. Oh! I don't know about... These are different debates for different times, Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta talk talk about tarot. (laughs) (laughs) What was your favorite part in all of this book without spoiling anything? When they debuted the villain, so like the last two pages were great because I didn't I didn't even know he was a villain. Right. You know, I'm I'm sure this isn't a debut for him. No. I'm sure it's not. He looks like he'd be like a a Silver Age villain. He just looks like it. Yeah, he does. And if not silver, then definitely Bronze Age. Like yeah. he he looks old style. Yeah, he's right there in that weird time. Like he's right there, like. The cuss, probably. Yeah, he looks weird. He's right. very... His his outfit is very, like, animated. For sure. But when they showed him, that was, like, ooh, interesting. New villain that I've never read about. And they showed him with his cards, his tarot cards. Like, that, he's such an interesting villain. Because, like, you were reading it, you thought it was going to be Cypress Black. I totally thought it was going to be Cyrus Black. Yeah, Cyrus Black. I don't know why I could call him Cypress because we live in the boonies and we have Probably. cypress trees everywhere. <laughs> Probably. But you you were like, oh, is this the guy? I was like, ooh. Nope, you haven't even got to the end, buddy. Yeah. You're just, you, you ain't even got to the good part. Tip of the iceberg. Yeah. But I thought it was cool. I won't, I'm ready for number two so we can see what was going on with Namor. True, yeah. Namor is tweaking in this issue. Yeah. Like, he's having all kinds of daydreams and he's just mentally cluttered yeah to he, say the least he's got that man all kinds of messed up and they haven't even showed really what's going on with the rest of them right because yeah. we didn't see who else had tarot cards yeah it was it was wild seeing the very last 
two or three pages where you know Jacob said the actual villain of this book is revealed and what he's doing to each member of the Avengers or how he has them under his control through the tarot cards is just it's all different yeah I, I've never seen any kind of manipulation or just take advantage of you yeah. type ability the way this villain really orchestrated his plan yeah. and however he you know actually made these and really you know focused his goals he's out here he needs yeah. to be teaming up with somebody because yeah like if you put him with like Dormammu yeah it'd be over yeah that'd be a heck of a villain duo but for sure like he even affected Vision and Vision's not even a real man. Yeah, and, but but he synthetic. did. I was about to say he did admit though that you know his inability to keep him like yeah. at bay for a while was because of his synthetic brain. Well, I mean, you trying to control a whole Vision Stone? Or oh a yeah, mind stone. Yeah. At the same time, you know, like for sure. Yeah, it's a it was a battle in itself. That's something most people just struggle to handle. So your favorite part was the villain reveal in yeah. the back. My favorite part was when Thor got the better of Hulk. Because Thor makes a comment, basically, what's the word? Um, he underhands himself. Well, no, he underhands Hulk, but uh, it was patronizing yeah, is what it was. Because basically what uh, Thor ends up saying is Thor tells Hulk, um, help me you know, lift up the building or like help me repair the Avengers mansion. Uh but if it, you know if it's too heavy for you, then it's okay, Hulk. You know, don't worry about it. You know, it won't be too heavy for the God of Thunder for for an Odin son. Yeah. And so he goes in to move, and like Hulk's like out of, out of the way, long hair. You know, I got this. And Valkyrie just kind of looks over at Hulk and or uh, Thor, and she's like, "That's kind of the type of thing your brother would do, Loki, right? You know, kind of trick someone into doing something against their own will." So I, I just like that scene and like the reference, you know, with between the two Asgardians about another Asgardian who's not yeah. present or, you know, part of the family. It was just an interesting take. Jacob, what would you say your rating of tarot number one is? Four. A four? Yeah, okay. it's a solid four. I got you. It's not quite a five. With what we've got right now, I'm going to give it a three. And the reason why I give it a three is because this could, like, issue two could decide whether I revert my rating on this one to be higher or lower. See, that's why I gave it a four. I gave it a four with strong hopes. Number two is great. Yeah. You know, that's the only reason they got a four. Yeah. But, you know, when number two comes out, that could very well become a two. Right, you yeah, know, yeah. Depending on how they handle it. If it drops off or something, you know. Yeah, if it keeps the same energy it's got now, it's... They're going to keep being fours. I don't think they're going to be a five, but they're strong fours. Oh, yeah. But my reason behind giving this a three was basically the opposite of what you said. You know, the only book that I really, or the only books that I really give the benefit of the doubt are Star Wars books or characters that I absolutely love. Like, if it's an, a Spider-Man book, then I'll give it a little leeway. You know, obviously mm -hmm. my favorites are going to kind of be favored you know be favored yeah. or have favoritism shown towards them but i was happy to read this book and happy for it not to be a waste of my time like yeah. i feel fulfilled by reading this book 
and hopefully issue two, three, and four of this four-issue miniseries are going to do the exact same thing. Be pleased. And I'm going to... Hopefully, it was just something that was highly underrated by me in the yeah. solicitations. All right, ladies and gentlemen. What you've been waiting for since the beginning, our number one, four, number one, by Donnie Cates and Nick Klon. This book was nuts, to say the least. To just hold it to one word, I'd say this book was crazy. I think you're just on a Donnie Cates binge right now. Look, Donnie Cates does... Okay, so one of my biggest things with creators, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether it's comic books, TV, movies, one of the reasons why I love George Lucas so much is because his six movies, like the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy, they do such a great job at connecting and the, the continuity making sense, the lore working together. Donnie Cates just somehow is able to do that same thing with comic books. Silver Surfer pops up in this book. Silver Surfer's Black from the Silver Surfer Black series. Galactus pops up. And when uh, Galactus pops up, Silver Surfer's talking about um, the Black Winter and the fact that Galactus has already experienced the Black Winter multiple times. The Black Winter is null. No, no, it's twice. Once is... Once, Once as, as a, a man, man, and the second time was when he failed to Asgard. Yeah, yeah. But so Don, I just love how great of a job Donny Cates has all of his stuff. He just keeps his continuity really all there together and just building off of each other. See, I don't know nothing about Noel. So right. I, you know, I don't know because the only thing I know about Noel is that had something to do with symbiotes. Yeah. And you said it was like the mother of the symbiotes. He's or the god like, of symbiotes. The god of symbiotes. Yeah. See, so I didn't... I don't... When you said that, I just imagined a really strong, like, Venom. Oh, yeah. Carnage type of character. Not something that was gonna kill Galactus and wipe out a whole universe. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, you you didn't know what kind of power level you were yeah, really I working thought, with. I was like, oh, it's just a really fancy version of Venom. Nah, let me, give you, let me give you a quick rundown really quick on what Null is. Null is the god of symbiotes Mm -hmm. who all the symbiotes, like all the existing ones in the cosmos, teamed up and formed a planet. Like Silver Uh, Surfer rolling up to the planet, like on his board, thought that it was a planet. No, it is all the symbiotes bonded together to form a giant cage the size of a planet to enhold Null. To keep him from getting out. Because they experience, like, Noel's one goal in life, just his one goal is to make all of the ga- the known galaxy, known universe into mm-hmm. the Black Abyss, which is what he rules. And what, like, his his goal is to just make the whole universe, like, the void. Yeah. And okay. So, yeah, and so he is, like, dummy powerful. Like, he... I can see why he knocked, you know, Galactus is in shambles right yeah. now. And why he needs all these heralds to, like, help him. Because Null's the real deal. And I've known Null's the real deal because I read Absolute Carnage back in the summertime. And that was the first appearance, or, you know, Venom, rather. Like, the Donny Cates Venom run was the first appearance of Null. And Null has been a constant reoccurring character, not in the book, but we see him from the shadows multiple times. And then in Silver Surfer Black, we actually see the character fight Silver Surfer and how he infects Silver Surfer. And just, like I said, there's a Donny Cates has this amazing ability to write stories and just constantly keep 
his story and the progression of his characters moving. And I have a great appreciation for that because, like I said, that's one of the things that kept me made me more of a George Lucas fan and less of a Star Wars fan, if that makes sense. Like, I had the appreciation for what Lucas was doing with that movie trilogy, mm-hmm. but that's the same reason I like Indiana Jones. Like, I love the four movies of Indiana Jones we got because they all make sense, and that's George Lucas's story that he created and, you know, kept. Yeah, so you like you like continuity. I love continuity. Stuff. If you can keep the lore and just the progression constantly going and constantly connected, then you've got me hook, line, and sinker. And that doesn't matter what it's for, whether it's Marvel books like on Thor. Thor's not even my favorite hero. You know, yeah, my favorite like hero Thor. is Spider-Man. I'm not a huge Thor guy, but I acknowledge Thor for what he is. He's the god of thunder. He's an extremely powerful being. And at the end of this book... He becomes even more powerful than yeah, that, and I'm. I told you I seen it coming. Yeah, what happened? You were like blown away by it, but I was like, mm, I could have guessed it. Yeah, you know, because I, I, I believe the, the issue we were talking about that made me, you know, think of what happened. I don't right. know if you want us to talk about what actually happens or not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Since this is a number one, and that reveal on like the last page, second to last page, whatever yeah. it is, like that is a pretty big reveal for people who don't see, can't see it coming. But through. it's happened in it's happened in a comic book before. Yeah, and so I just you know you were talking about Donny Cates, he's doing all this new stuff. I was like, he probably he might be pulling this out the woodwork, you know? Right. He might be pulling this out the old Marvel archives. Oh yeah. Because I used to have a couple of those comics when I was little. Right. That the my what dad ifs. had. Yeah. yeah. So I used to have a couple of them, so I knew about it. And I was like, "Oh, you know that—that's what's probably gonna happen." As soon as I seen all the other ones, I was like, "Hmm." Mm. And then I happened. I was like, mm, "Can't fool me, Donnie." <laughs> <laughs> but through your reading of this, Jacob, what, without spoiling anything, what was your favorite part or your favorite scene? When Galactus fell. When he fell from the sky. Yeah, that's, that was a nuts that's splash one, like, page. I didn't see. You know, coming, you know? Yeah. But once after that happened, I kind of figured the direction it was going. Right. But up until then, I was just reading a Thor book, you know? I thought it was nuts. After Galactus has made his, like, fall, you know, into Asgard, Thor was like, well, guess I got to clap Galactus. And, like, he was about to start fighting that <laughs> man. Like, he was going to finish the job that Null started. He was like, mm, he's weak. I'm about to clap now. I'm the All-Father. Don't, yeah. mess, he, don't mess with Asgard. And he... I'm not going to lie. I think he probably could have in a weakened state like that. Probably. In a weakened state like that, he yeah. he probably could have killed Glyde. Because when Silver Surfer is the Black Silver Surfer, is he still the Herald? Oh, yeah. Oh, the, he's I still got all know. his cosmic powers, but not only that, but he's got like some symbiote powers, too. I don't know if... Silver, like, he's, he's not... If Silver Surfer would have came to back up Galactus, I don't think it would have happened. Well, see, I don't, I don't... I The only reason... And now we're just, you know, talking about, like fan fiction I guess because like this is stuff that didn't happen yeah but if if Galactus got in a fight with Thor in that specific moment I don't think any of the previous heralds would have came to his defense because they're not currently the herald you know what I mean but that's why I asked about Silver Surfer if he was. Well, still I'm pretty sure old. Silver Surfer himself is, but all the other ones at that table. Yeah, I'm just talking about Silver not. Surfer because the okay. other ones weren't even there yet. Well, Jacob, I definitely think that Thor could clap Silver Surfer. 
that's just I mean I like Silver Surfer I like Silver Surfer a lot and that has a lot to do with my dad because my dad's really my dad's the one who started reading Silver Surfer Black like number one like when it came out he was stupid hype about it like he thought the cool like seeing Silver Surfer be silver but his he was holding his hand up on the front cover and the whole hand is just like black and has really cool like colors coming up from yeah. it almost kind of Infinity Gauntlet type thing yeah. it, or look appeal but my dad started reading the series and two issues in he was like this needs to be a five issue series that not only you try to sell to other people but we should think about getting graded like talking about the whole five issue run yeah and now that i've read it and i know how good it is i'd agree you know i i could see it getting graded obviously i'd want them all to be 9.8s but you can only pray with cgc they're the graders not us but jacob your favorite part about thor number one i said i want galactus fail oh yeah well what's your rating i'd give it Mm, he's he's Uh, oh i saw the look on his face uh i don't want to undersell it i don't oh well don't don't oversell it but don't undersell it just be honest like you're not gonna hurt my feelings because i'm not gonna have like my grade i'll go ahead and tell you isn't gonna be as high as star wars i don't even remember what you gave star wars 4.0 uh I mean, I'm really thinking it's more about a two and a half. I've got a 3.5, so I'm a point higher than you. That's yeah. fine. Because I'm, you know, like I said, I'm not a big Thor fan. Right. And, you know, if it would have blew me away when what happened happened, you know, then I probably would have been just right there with you, 3.5. But the fact that I seen Galactus, and whenever he started explaining what was going on, I just knew, you know, like, I, I predicted it. And that... That didn't make it as special for me. I know? got you. Yeah, I mean, it does. It's kind of like when you see a spoiler before you go see a movie, and yeah. then like it actually comes to fruition, and yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, now was, my movie experience That's why is I quit watching trailers, because there were so many movies that came out that the trailer was the movie. I mean, dude, they did, a lot of movies do such a poor job at constructing their trailers to keep like they're not good at throwing people off yeah i think that a lot of and this isn't me tooting star wars horn but i think a lot of movie companies need to take a book out of their trailer making experience because a lot of times because they're such a big company with it being disney owned now Mm -hmm. and they always try to hide everything right up until the last second star wars makes some trailers that you they piece together nicely but you can't ever really truly tell what's gonna happen for sure in the movie like um the last movie, one of its trailers I seen yeah after the movie came out and everything, but it was really just like an action montage. Yeah, it didn't have any storylines to it. It was just pure action. Oh yeah, that was gonna happen. That's how a trailer should be. Right. You know, letting you know there's gonna be action, there's gonna be trouble, but you gotta watch the movie to find out what it's about. Yeah, I think one of the keys to making a great trailer, and obviously, I'm a 22 year old who knows nothing about cinematography or editing, but. I definitely think the best amalgam, well, that's the second time I've used that word this podcast, but I guess the best qualities to put into a trailer are action scenes, limit dialogue as much as possible, as much as possible, and then three, show either at the beginning or at the end some sort of progression, like show... A care like either a character walking into you know a bar or something like that, or show and what I mean by that is like show them going somewhere for something. 
yeah. or at the end, like the way the Black Widow trailer ended, like you know how her animated little figure or her like silhouette was red for her red hair, red for all the emblems on her Black Widow, but the rest of it was black, and it was yeah. just her walking towards the camera. I love that, and I guess what I meant by progression was physical progression like progressing like somewhere like walking away yeah. from the camera or walking toward the just camera have a moment that's not action <laughs> right show just kind of the action then show like a snippet of the story right show your main characters show the people that we're going to be dealing with through this two-hour excursion yeah like <coughs> that's one thing that i felt a lot of movie companies struggled with for a good like two years yeah like it was just terrible and that's awful trailers. I, that's when I quit watching trailers, and my friends would want to go to the movies. I'd be like, sure, and it'd be spoiled for everybody but me. You're right. I get that. I, I've out of all the movies I've seen in the la- in 2019, I'd probably say how many movies did I see? Probably around 10 or 12, and I'd say about two of them, three of them, I knew almost exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, and see, I might watch half as many movies as that a year. Yeah. Just because I don't go to the theater a lot. That's my passion. Yeah. If I, I had all the money in the world, I'd see everything. I like going to the movie theater. It's just getting there. Yeah. For me, I like finding time to go with somebody. Yeah, I was about to say, what we were talking about earlier, neither one of us are the type of person that really prefer to do anything alone. Yeah. And so I just might see half as many movies, and if I do watch them, they're normally at home. Right. But even then, like I don't like watching trailers, because if I watch half as many movies, if three of your movies got spoiled, and you watch 12, that could be three of my six. Right. You know? Yeah. I just avoid them. I get that. All right. Well, our next thing on our agenda is to talk about some spec. Uh, some you of know. this isn't even spec. Some of it is confirmed. Yeah. Some of this isn't spec. So. Well, all of it's confirmed. Well, yeah. It is all confirmed. So, I guess we should create the category instead of it being spec. It should just be, like, confirmed news. Or just news. Yeah. Yeah. So... The first piece of news that we got is the character, the famous villain from DC, Deathstroke, is getting his own animated series on the CW. Mm-hmm. Jacob, what do you think about this? I think that's neat. You know, I think it's interesting that they picked Deathstroke. I think it's interesting that the CW is doing a... I think it's interesting that they're doing a animated series. You know, everything they've done so far has been live action. Right. And They've even had Deathstroke in the live action. Yeah, you know, he's he's a planted character, you know, in the CW's DC runs. Right. But I think it's just weird that they're choosing to do an animated. For sure, yeah, just because, like you said, it, it's a 180 turn from everything they've already done. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't mean it's going to be bad. There's plenty of good animated stuff. Of course. You know? I, I love anime stuff. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of anime. Yeah, you, you, you regularly watch anime. You tried to get me into some of it here recently. I'm just... Not that big into it. Well, you just got to find... Really, the the key with anime is finding a, a theme that you really like. Yeah. And then running with it. Yeah. But with the Deathstroke, I'm probably not going to watch it. Just being real. The only thing that CW has put out that I liked is DC's Legends of Tomorrow. And even that, I don't follow regularly anymore. Right. Because I feel like they struggle with action. Yeah. It, I feel like it has the opposite problem of what Marvel has with the Netflix deals. Mm-hmm. Like with Daredevil, there's a lot of action. Daredevil and, and Punisher them. were kick ass. Yeah, they're good. And I even and like the other action. ones. But I feel like the CW is the complete opposite. Like when I was trying to watch Arrow, people kept telling me, get the season three or four. Just get the season three or four. And it was such a slog to get there. 
Right. You know, it was so much filler. It's almost worse than Bleach, in my opinion. The anime. Yeah, the anime. Like. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I don't like Bleach whatsoever. Because it's just a bunch of filler. There's so much talking. Yeah. Going on. And I mean, I get it. Cool story development. But when's the when's the action gonna start? You know, you can have an episode of making a plan, but the next episode better be you doing it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's just one of my issues I have with them. Maybe that's why they're doing an animated series. See, what I was going to ask you about this specifically being an animated series is since he's Deathstroke, I mean, is already a character mm-hmm. well established in the other shows, but predominantly Arrow. Yeah. Do you think that since I, I'm assuming that those shows, as far as DC goes, are canon? Like, that's yeah. what they confirm as these are the stories and the battles and the events that our characters went through. With how many of them there are, it better be. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the fact that they're bringing out other ones, like how, you know, for 2020, they released the uh, Booster Gold. Yeah. Or they were going to do a CW series on Booster Gold. So, but my question with the Deathstroke being an animated series and him being a character that's already been fleshed out and, you know, has a revelation, has a debut in the Arrow show, is he going to reference things that happened in the other show? Like, is the... Say that this is the first of an animated DCCW universe. Is this going to, like I said, you know, is Deathstroke going to reference Oliver Queen? Is he going to reference fighting the Green Arrow? Like, is he going to talk about any other heroes? Like, is this going to be something that, like I love, is part of a bigger continuity? Is this going to be really heavily lore-based? Or is this just going to kind of be a cool show to show off a badass character to a younger audience? Because what I I was about to say, because what I thought of, because I've watched a lot of the Arrow TV show, and the moments that Deathstroke shows up, it's no games. Like, him and Arrow are fighting almost constantly, and uh, Arrow, or Oliver Queen, ends up believing that he puts down Deathstroke, only to find out that years later, after he's back in his regular life, that Deathstroke's still alive. I want to know, and there were plenty of scenes that were like really gory, or not really gory, but like showed realistic amounts of gore and conflict fighting. This show being animated, I could be absolutely wrong in saying this, but like I said, I think it might be trying to appeal a darker character to a lighter hearted audience, being children. But I could, like I said, I could be absolutely wrong with that because the TV, sh- the animated Harley Quinn show on DC Universe is vulgar. It cusses, you yeah. know. It often refers to sexual this themes. Is what I was gonna say, when you pulled that up, in my opinion, if they were gonna try and aim it towards a child audience, they'd make them appear more in Teen Titans Go. Yeah, He's well, he does sometimes. Yeah, you know, and I feel like how many children decide when a child to sit in front of the TV decides I'm gonna flick to the CW. I know when I was little, I never watched the CW. Yeah. When I was little, I, rem- I memorized the three channels of Cartoon Network, <laughs> Nickelodeon, and Disney. Of course. I knew those three channels, like the back of my hand. And that's all we needed. And, yeah, and that's the only channels I cared about. I wasn't scrolling through the guide trying to find something to watch. For me, those were 44, 56, and 57. Same here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just knew what they were, you know? And so I feel like if they were going to try and make it more child-appropriate, they wouldn't try to get children to switch to an adult channel. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense from, like, a marketing standpoint. I didn't really take into consideration that fact. Yeah. 
All right, Jacob, let's move on to our next thing on the docket. What do you believe about WandaVision being moved closer to us instead of being a 2021-2022 release? It's a 2020 release now, so it is coming out this year, ladies and gentlemen, on Disney+. Plus. I'm ready for it. I am too. I really want to know what this series is about because there has been two different comic book series. One of them was kind of the beginning of their love, and the other was more their life after that, like their established life with children and that sort of thing. And supposedly there's been rumors that they are looking to hire twin eight-year-old or nine-year-old boys, something like that, for this. So apparently Wanda and Vision are going to already have children. But I just really want to see where this takes place because a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff shows them, or at least Scarlet Witch, dressed in almost 50s attire, like kind of poodle skirts. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, if this is going to take place in, you know, the 40s, 50s, 60s, somewhere in there, that would be really cool because our generation obviously knows the least about that. You know, our parents were born at the tail end of, like, the 60s or the early 70s. And so they didn't, you know, it's more so our grandparents generation than our parents generation and boomers yeah (laughs) i would just love to see what it's going to be about and in that time period what it's like to be super you know what i mean i think that's really neat i feel like that's really one of the appeals that the watchman had yeah was this oh yeah superheroes in a whole another decade that we're not used to right and you know wandavision i feel like it's not going to focus so much on being super yeah. You know, as much as just being super parents or just super people. Right. Yeah, know? like superhumans. Yeah, instead of them saving the day, you know? Right. I, I hope they don't take it in that direction. I feel like that would be a really lame direction that's been done before. Mm-hmm. If they were just like, oh, yeah, Billy has to be at school by 8, but I have to save the world at 930. You know, like, that's just the Incredibles, fam. Right. <sighs> That, is, that would be just like The Incredibles. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of paused there for a second. Hmm, Incredibles? That's Incredibles 1. That is Incredibles, you know? <laughs> just kind of parents doing parent things like in the few hours and then being supers. Yeah, or there. like The Replacements, which was a Disney show. I where... loved that show, man. Yeah. That show was so good. See? Jeez, you got me messed up with that. Disney likes that, apparently. Yeah. You know, and I hope they don't do it again. True. Because they even milked that cow. Do not use the cash cow again. The cow has Peasants. been the cow has been milked. It's time to get into a new area. It's time to butcher that boy and find us a new cow. Yeah, exactly. Take him to the slaughterhouse. Make some beef patties for me. Bessie ain't producing like she used to. Time to get a new one. It's time to get uh little Jesse. <laughs> but Jacob, I leave you to talk about our next thing. This, this last one was interesting because you found it. It was just debuted as news 11 hours ago. So when I looked for news earlier this week, it wasn't even a thing. But the Marvel, who was it? It's uh, Marvel's The Eternals. But was it the CEO? Oh, yeah, it was... Uh no, it was Kevin Feige, okay. which I think is just like because I was about to say Bob Iger is the CEO yeah. of Disney, but he's basically like the he's director the of the stuff. MCU. Yeah, yeah, but he went on record saying that in the Eternals they were going to have the first trans. Okay, these are three different heroes: the first trans superhero, the first deaf superhero, and this one upset me because of Bobby, but. 
the first gay superhero as well. Yeah. In the Eternals, which I feel like that's really interesting. That's really lumping a lot in the one plate, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, just like has a marketing standpoint. Like, I feel like it should be more of a one-at-a-time debut. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to give them their own limelight type thing. Yeah. The same way how uh, Shang-Chi is, you know, going to be yeah. our first Asian-American hero, and yeah. he's getting his own movie. Yeah, but you have these three minority characters in one movie. Right. And I feel like they shouldn't have them share the limelight. You know? They yes, should sir. all get their own... Not necessarily their own solo movie. Yeah. But at least they view them as, like, in three different teams. Well, the only reason I think they can't do that is because this is the Mar- Marvel's The Eternals. Like, yeah. the Eternals are a team. Yeah. So, if, if you know, one of their members is deaf, one of their members is trans, like, another one of their members, gay. So, yeah. I mean, oh, well, it's like a team of five or six, you know. Yeah. You can't give them, like, their... What if what they do is they reveal the characters slow, like say that of the team of five or six, and I'm not a huge buff on Eternal, so I don't know whether it is five or six. Yeah. But say that you know three of them are apparent from the beginning, like, and they're the regular ones. Like, and by regular, I don't mean straight. I mean like the ones that are just established from the beginning. Yeah. But then you get one of them come in say it's like the trans or not the trans because that would probably be considered the biggest shock like yeah. the deaf one comes in first and it's like ooh like reveal you know solo headshot type you know close up big deal give them all a quicksilver moment exactly that's exactly what i yeah, was trying to say i was you said like debut them later i was like so quicksilver you know cuz they gave quicksilver his whole own thing, you know, when right. they debuted him in the movie. His moment to save Clint Barton. Yeah. They, you know, they were like, ooh, he's neat. They showed him at his house, debuted his power a little bit. Then later on in the movie, they gave him a chance to really show off that power. Right. You know, and let him become a fan favorite for a movie. For sure. I think that was so dirty how they just, like, did away with I my think man. They could have at least over. gave him a better death. Dude, they could have made him hold up until, like, Civil War and then had him be one of the casualties of Civil War. Yeah. Like, have Rhodey, you know, War, uh, not Warhammer. Why was I about to say Warhammer? War Machine. War, have War Machine, you know, how he lost the ability to use his legs and had to, like, relearn how to walk. Mm-hmm. Like, have him be one casualty on one side of the war and have the other casualty be an actual death yeah. by Quicksilver. You know, that would, in my opinion, and I am an opinionated human being. Yeah. That would be a great ending I mean, for I his. I that would have been great, especially in Civil War. Yeah, exactly. You know? It would like, just make sense. I, but, oh well. Go figure. We're not we're not big brain enough for that. Yeah, we are big brain enough well, to talk about this to last talk about topic. It, but not, oh yeah. This last topic I've been waiting to talk about. So we love you some Spider-Man. Yeah, I love some Spiedra. <laughs> <laughs> so how about this? So, Sony, when asked in an interview decided to defer to only saying no comment when asked if Tom Holland was going to appear in Venom 2. That screams to me confirmation. Yeah, I mean, you think it would, or they could just be playing hardball. You know, Man. they could, but okay. I'm saying they could. I'm not so, so a couple of months ago, when we were all, like, boo-hoo crying, or maybe not all of us, maybe you didn't care, Jacob, but when all of us are so sad that we thought Spider-Man was going to be gone from the Avengers and that it was all, like, Marvel's fault because they were playing hard to get with, like, the money of what was being made between there and Sony split with the first two uh, Spider-Man movies, they were like, we're not, you know, we're... 
putting Spider-Man back in our Sony-verse. You know, we're gonna, we're, he's not part of the MCU anymore. Everybody was sad. Everybody was, you know, right, you know, completely irate about it. Yeah. And then, what do you know? They start a deal, you know, they get their deal back together. No one specifically knows about, you know, what encouraged Sony to finally sign a second deal for this. My speculation, and I guess this does work because now, you know, we're bringing it back to some spec. But I think, personally, the reason for them not mentioning it is because that was one of the biggest keys to the deal. Yeah. The deal was, okay, we'll let him be in the MCU, but that means that we have to be able to put him in our Sony movies, too, and allow him to cross over with our Venom, with our Tom uh, Hardy Venom. Could be. And that's the only way, because... I've read a lot of different comics specifically about Spider-Man and the symbiotes. Because uh, that's your favorite. Oh, yeah. And the symbiote, like, Venom cannot beat Carnage by himself. Like, no way, shape, or yeah, form. Like it just doesn't work. T- yeah, technically, technically he did in the most recent Absolute Carnage. But at the same time, he had all the help of all the heroes prior to, mm-hmm. you know, the one-on-one. But in this, at the very end of Venom number one... Or the first Venom movie, you see Cletus Cassidy, the red, curly-haired cellmate of Eddie Brock. Yeah. And he is the character in the comic books that becomes Carnage. And so basically at the end of that, that was a little tease to him. So more than likely, everyone's been speculating that Carnage is going to be the main bad guy in the second Venom. The only way... That you're going to have Venom defeat Carnage is if he teams up with your neighborhood Spider-Man. I mean, you know more about Spider-Man than I do. You know, I like Venom better, so I'm always going to be like, hmm, I like Venom Venom better, too. But you're the the fact boy with Spider-Man, so I'll let you have that argument. Well, I just think, you know, since multiple times they've fought in comics, whether it was the old Maximum Carnage, whether it was this new Absolute Carnage, like, in the, every time that he's popped up and Carnage has tried to take over the world or just wreck Venom in Spider-Man's day, they have to team up to fight. Not only a lot of times, like, in the Maximum Carnage and in this Absolute Carnage, they had to get other help just from the two of them. It was, you know, it couldn't even be two-on-one and them still really win the way they wanted to. Like, they need help from the Avengers. They need yeah. help from just, like, off-the-wall Deadpool characters, you know, they they basically loud shout out for help, you know, anybody, SOS, yeah, help. So I mean, I really think that having Tom Holland, it would it would just be cool too, because think about how many references we get then. Like if Tom Holland, Spider Man, goes and does Venom two, imagine when we get our next MCU movie. Mm-hmm. What if uh, that opens doors for Venom? To get introduced into the MCU, not as an Avenger or anything, yeah, but just but, as a character in the yeah, MCU, not just cool. in the Sony verse. But I mean, think of all the the one-liners. Just think about the different, you know, things, little things that he could bring up, references, you know, any kind of stuff like that. Yeah. Imagine how cool it would be if, since Venom, you know, or you know, Venom comes into the MCU and say a little bit of the Venom symbiote gets on like our Tom Holland Spider-Man. Mm. And so, yeah, so we basically revisit kind of black suit action. Yeah. That would be awesome. Secret Wars. I love that. Just any black suit action. Any edgy Spider-Man yeah. is even cooler. Just because, you know, he lets his negative emotions kind of run run rampant. 
just do their own thing. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it's all about with the black suit. Yeah. I love Spider-Man. You do? Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for us. We don't have anything else to talk about this week. But thank you again for tuning in, and hopefully we'll see you guys next week. Later.